What is a cowboy? It's not about hats and horses. Cowboy is about courage, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And when you put those things together, it spells Christ. And that's what being a true cowboy is all about, riding for the Lord. My name's Kevin Weatherby, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Save the Cowboy. You just sit back, grab you a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride with the Lord. Hey, this is Kevin. I went ahead and throwed in the first part of last week's sermon so that you'd be caught up in case you missed it. Y'all go ahead and listen up to the conclusion to As Long As There's One Man, the third part of What Is Save the Cowboy. All right, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. As I said earlier, we have been in a three-week series talking about what is Save the Cowboy. But I turned that around, and and I know that whenever y'all tell people about what we're doing here, everybody always asks, what is Save the Cowboy? But I think that we need to turn that around and ask another question, answer that question with another question, because it's not what is Save the Cowboy. It's who is Save the Cowboy. I've outlined two things so far. We use the great Western Monty Walsh as a, as a basis. In that movie, Monty rides up to some guys that have rustled cattle, and they, they go through there and they say, you know what, Monty, that cowboy way of life is dead. A bunch of bankers from back east in Chicago. <laughs> A bunch of bankers back east, they own those cattle. The, the, the Slash Y doesn't even own those cattle. And he said, even if I was starving, I wouldn't rustle cattle. And he said, that way of life is dead, Monty. And he said, it's not dead. As long as there's one cowboy taking care of one cow. We've used this as a basis for who is Save the Cowboy. In our first deal, we talked about the Good Samaritan. And whenever the, he goes and he helps the guy that has been beat down. And a real religious guy said, well, who is our neighbor? He wanted to classify so he could leave the unwanteds out. And Jesus, once again, just like we did, Jesus turned, or better yet, we did like Jesus did. He turns the question around and he says, it's not who is your neighbor, it's who is the neighbor. What we're trying to do, there's nothing more cowboy than being a neighbor. And we don't get to pick and choose who our neighbors are because it's not about who is our neighbor, it's about us being a neighbor. Two weeks ago at Chuck's Barn, we talked about the second one. As long as there's one cowboy, we are going to go where others won't. We're going to ride harder. We're going to go further. We're going to go through the thickest brush. Whatever we have to do to take the gospel, not to the saved, but to the lost. And we're going to do it in a way that removes all excuses. Because our desire is that people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because He is the only way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It is God in human form. Sacrificed Himself for us. And we're going to take that good news to the furthest reaches of God's green pastures. And then today, I'm going to turn that down just a little bit. And then today, we're going to talk about the third and final. As long as there's one. Y'all heard me talk about the the San Pedro Ranch down in South Texas. Uh, I'll never forget whenever I went down there. I went with uh, 
an ex-uncle of mine that used to be married to my aunt got me the job and he kind of took me down there and introduced me to everybody. I walked onto this beautiful South Texas ranch. You can probably picture it in your mind. Walked up to this, this big stucco bunkhouse and all the cowboys, there was, there was uh, four of them. There was Baltimore, Zeferino, Tomas, and Antonio. Antonio was the one that I worked with. I've told y'all many stories about him, but the time that I met Antonio was just amazing because I was the only one that would be living on the ranch that spoke English. And so Mike was there, and he used to be the manager of that ranch uh, long before, and so Mike was fluent in Spanish, and so he walks up, and, and he starts talking to him and everything, and Antonio's kind of just a little bit kind of stove up. And so Mike asks him in Spanish, he said, Antonio, you know, what's the matter? He's, and, and he said, uh, it, it, you, you just have to do this. I, I wish that, uh, that I could do it in Spanish, but you use it or you lose it. So I will do my best to uh, portray what Antonio said. He said, oh, Mikey. He said, I had a really bad problem. And he said, what was your problem? And he turned around and he lifts up his shirt and he literally, there is a scab that started at the base of his belt and ran to the nape of his neck. He said, I was riding this young colt and it ran away with me and run me underneath this big mesquite tree and he took all the hide off my back. And I mean, it did. It was a solid scab. There was no skin on his deal. And I'm like, okay, I may not be tough enough for this outfit. <laughs> and I said, I looked at Mike and I said, man, Mike, that man is double tough. And he said, and so he relays that to Antonio and he said, no, I'm not that tough. I had to take the rest of the day off. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. And Mike said, if you think that's tough, you ain't seen nothing yet. One time Antonio was on this colt and they were in the pen and, you know, in that ranch in the middle of all the water lots was water. And it had one of those concrete troughs that were like, you know, 20 feet long and about that deep that all the cattle could get around and everything. Well, they were in there and they were finishing up and Antonio's horse goes to bucking with him and it's bucking beside that trough and he gets past it and he's trying to pull him up and he finally pulls him up and the horse comes over on top of him on to that deal. And of course the horse flounders like this. Antonio's underneath him pinned halfway in the trough and halfway out of the trough. And by this time, Baltimore... In Baltimore, it, has anybody ever seen the remake called Return to Gunsmoke that was made about 15 years ago? If you ever watch Return to Gunsmoke, whenever there's a close-up of an Indian, that is Baltimore Boone. He was the ranch manager down there. He had hair down to here. He looked just like an Apache Indian. They didn't have to do any makeup or anything. They put him in several different costumes and headdresses because he looked so much like an Indian, but it's Baltimore. You can see everybody in costumes riding, but anytime there's a, a close-up, that's Baltimore. And so Baltimore was sitting there, and so Baltimore chimes in on this, on this story, and he goes, oh, man, he said, I remember I watched the horse fall over and Antonio and Antonio's just laying there and he's underneath the water and he bailed off the deal and I went and I grabbed him and I pulled him out and I said, Antonio's dead. <laughs> and then and, 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 uh, one, Tomas comes over there and Tomas is like, oh, 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 like that. And he said, and all of a sudden Antonio opens up his eyes and he says, no, Baltimore, I'm not dead. <laughs> I'm standing there like, 
I'm going back to the truck. And I, I'm standing there and I'm just looking. And he said, that was a pretty bad one, man. He said, I stayed in bed for a whole day. I'm like, I would have been dead. Seriously. And everything. And I'm looking and I know, you know, I was young and my eyes are about this big around. I'm like, you want me to work here? And I looked at Mike and I said, he is a man. And Mike looked at him and he said, it's little nombre. Like that. And Antonio looks at me and he goes, see. <laughs> but that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what is a man as long as there is one neighbor. And that's what God has called us to be. He's called us to be neighbors, not to pick and choose who we help, but to help anybody. Not just those that we can relate to. How about the ones that we cannot absolutely relate to? It doesn't matter how dirty, how sinful. We are told to help people and tell them the good news. As long as there's one cowboy. I would like to find a cowboy with a fly swatter to come get this pterodactyl of a fly that's getting me. Just tried to fly up my nose. As long as there's one cowboy willing to ride to the farthest reaches of God's green pastures to bring the good news to the lost and hurting, not shake a feed sack at a set of church doors and say, if y'all want to hear about God, you got to come in here. No, God has called us to go out into all the world. As a matter of fact, if you look at that in the Greek, it says while you are going, in your everyday lives, spread the gospel. But He's also called us to be men. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer time. I get bloodied all the time for saying men and cowboys this, cowboys that. I am not excluding y'all ladies. I am not excluding cowgirls. You are implied because if I am absolutely fine with being part of the bride of Christ, you can be Glad to be a part of mankind, okay? I'm just saying that. Thank you, God. That went over a lot better than I thought it would. <laughs> Welcome to Save the Cowboy. Today we're going to look at what it means to be a real man. Looking at four men that God chose, not at random, but because they were men that found God's favor. Men that God used. How did they find favor in God's eyes? What made them so special? They must have never made a mistake, right? Oh, far from it. Anybody in here know who King David was? Most everybody can relate to King David. He was the greatest king that Israel ever had. One of his best known feats is defeating Goliath. The nine foot tall monster that stood up there and cursed the army of the living God and dared anybody to come and face him. And not a one would except for a little shepherd boy that was bringing some grub to his brothers that were fighting in the army. He said, who dares this Philistine to curse the army of the living God. I'll go out there and whoop his tail. 
And he did just that. What do we know of David? He killed Goliath. He was the greatest king Israel had. But he also had his faults, did he not? He had an affair with a lady named Bathsheba. He had Bathsheba's husband killed so that he could have her for his very own. And in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, the Bible says, God referred to David as a man after my own heart. Now, how could David, somebody that had somebody killed, had an affair, how could he be a man after God's own heart? How do we become a man after God's own heart? Do we, do we have to go kill a giant? No. Do we have to have an affair to be a man after God's own heart? No. How about have somebody murdered? No. So what made David a man after his own heart? David's faith. David had faith that God loved him more than anything, and he also had faith in God's forgiveness. I want you to think about that right now. David knew beyond anything that God was a God of love and that he would take care. That doesn't mean that it would be smooth sailing but that God loved him so much and that God would offer forgiveness to anybody that asked for it. It was his faith in God's undying love for us and his faith that God was a just God and a loving God and was willing to forgive. Faith. David lived a wild and woolly life. Without faith, how would he have killed a man that an entire army could not? Without faith, how could he have survived when his own king, Saul, turned on him and chased him around like a feral hog trying to kill him? David knew that God loved him. His accomplishments, his accomplishments are many, but so was his sin. The difference between the way David handled his sin and the way many people today do is this. David was very quick to confess his sin. David didn't take God's blessing or his forgiveness lightly. He thanked God. Just read Psalms when David just pours out his heart in thanks for the things that God has done. But he would also pour out his forgiveness. He would rip his clothes off and cover his head with ashes at the least sin and beg God for forgiveness, but he didn't just do that. He also repented because one thing, do you, do you remember there being two affairs? No, there was only one. When David asked forgiveness and repented of his sin, he meant it. He didn't continually make the same mistake over and over and over. He was a man of integrity. He was a man of his word. And when he asked God for forgiveness, he didn't take that lightly. And he didn't make the same mistake twice. David never took God's blessing or forgiveness for granted. And God poured both upon him like he has no other in the history of mankind. But that doesn't mean that he's not willing to do that for you. He is willing to bless you beyond anything that you can imagine. But you're going to have to listen to Him. You're going to have to obey Him. Why? Because He made us. He's God. And we don't need to take God's blessings lightly, nor do we need to take His forgiveness lightly. But God also poured out consequences for David's sins. 
All David did was do a census in the land of Israel to find out how many fighting men and women he had. I guess not women. There might have been some women that fought. I know some pretty salty cowgirls. Maybe David had some too. He had them take a census. And God said, don't worry about the numbers. Whatever I call you to do, I will provide for you. And David did it anyway. And you know what happened? 70,000 people died as a result just because David took a census. David's own son died because of a sin that David committed. David experienced the joy of forgiveness even when he had to suffer through the consequences. We get these two reversed. We would rather avoid the consequences than experience the forgiveness. Some of you have something inside of you that you need to be forgiven for, that you need to forgive yourselves for. You want to know how to do it? I've already told you. Don't go to God lightly in asking His forgiveness. You need to repent of that. And be amazed at the results. What happens when you combine listening with obedience and you couple that with faith? Then you will be able to trust. And that's what our next man of God was known for. Trust. We've talked about Noah and how he built an ark. Something crazy. Isn't God crazy? He will ask you to do the craziest things in the world. He'll ask you to build an ark. He'll ask you to do some of the things that maybe Abraham did. Something similar. Crazy things. But God will always be there for you and He is a loving God. But we must trust Him. And the ultimate example of trust that I could find that wasn't Jesus Christ Himself was a man named Job. In Job chapter 1, verse 8, then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He, he fears God and stays away from evil. And you know what that old fork-tailed devil said? Oh yeah? Would he still love you if you took everything away from him? And God said, yeah, he would. And so he allowed the devil to kill his sons, to take all of his prosperity away. At the end, he was sitting in oozing sores and using a seashell to scrape his own skin off of him. He was so low. Not because God wanted to punish him, but to prove to Satan that mankind can love God even when things are bad. Job lost all his possessions, all his animals, all his kids, all his friends. He had sores all, of his, all over his body. And even his wife, the one person that God allowed him to keep, said, you should curse God and just die. And how, what was Job's response to this? You talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? The main point I want you to know about Job is you have to trust God. God never promised you that you would understand His ways. He said in the Bible, my ways are not your ways. You can't understand who I am and the reason that I do things. And I'm not asking you to understand. I'm asking you to listen. I'm asking you to obey. And I'm going to ask that you have faith in me. And I want you to trust me. 
can we do that? Even when things are bad. God never promised you an answer to all of your questions. Why? Because we can't understand God. We can't understand His ways. But we can be like David and trust that God is a God of love. And that even when we go through bad things, that God is there with us and that He will use the good in all things for those that believe in Him. God never promised you, unlike some televangelists will tell you, God never promised you a Park Avenue Christianity type of lifestyle. Some of us, some of y'all, might have that. And that's fine. I'm happy for you. But for the rest of us, we may not have that Park Avenue lifestyle. And God may not answer your question as to why. But we must trust God. God is not a vending machine for your physical comfort or your personal wish granter. How many times do, do we, and, and I don't think nobody's ever done this, but it's the equivalent of taking the Bible and going, I wish for, like God's a genie or something. God's not your genie. He's your creator. He loves you more than anything. He sent His Son to die for you. We have gone from, I am here, Lord, to, well, that's not fair, God. God never promised you fair. He promised that He'd love you through everything. We have gone from, use me, God, to, why me? You want to be a man after God's own heart? Listen to Him. Do what He tells you to do. Have faith. Trust in God. As long as there is one person sitting out here, willing to be a neighbor, you will be favored by God. As long as there's one cowboy or cowgirl out there willing to take the gospel message of good news to the farthest reaches of God's green pastures, you will be a man after God's own heart. And as long as there's one man willing to listen, willing to obey, to have faith, and trust in God no matter the circumstances. Because I promise you, when you stand before our God, none of that will mean a dadgum thing. No problems that you're going through. No struggles that you're going to. You will look back and say, I would do that a million times over if I only understood what this day would be like. No more pain, no more suffering. Eternal life in the light of God. Instead of whining about, why me, God? We need men and women willing to stand up and say, use me, God. Listen like Noah. Obey like Abraham. Have the faith of David. And trust like Job. Then you too can be a man after God. And help us save the Calvary. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your message today. Help us to be men and women. Men and women of, of faith. Willing to listen. Willing to obey. Willing to trust no matter what. Lord, let this be the first day 
that we repent of our sins and we start walking with you every day. But most importantly, Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, there's only one way. And that's through you coming down here in the form of a man and dying on the cross so that all of our sins can be forgiven. Let us not take that forgiveness lightly and go to him in heartfelt honesty and ask you to forgive our sins and be the Lord of our lives. In your name I pray. I know you couldn't help but notice all the great music playing in the background. You need to stop what you're doing right now and go by BarryWardMusic.com and check out his new album, West of Dodge. This program wouldn't have been possible without these fine folks. Tumbleweed Hay and Hauling, 303-324-8217. WesternLLC.net. Look East Realty, 303-644-4444. Double H Heating and Air, 303-669-8911. Integrity Auto Repair. 303-621-2845 and Comanche Creek Enterprises 303-619-7030 Please support businesses that aren't afraid to show their faith. Call them today or go by SaveTheCowboy.com and click on Sponsors for more information. Glad you took a ride with us today. If you liked today's service and heard God speaking to you, I'd like for you to go to our website and check out the new book, Simplified Cowboy Version Gospel of Matthew. If you've ever wanted to read your Bible but found it difficult to understand, then this book is for you. Just go to SaveTheCowboy.com and click on General Store. You'll find tons of stuff there to help you in your ride with Christ. You can also partner up with us by following the online giving link. All our monthly supporters get an audio CD or DVD every month in the mail as our way of saying thank you. We don't care about the amount. Look at what Jesus did with a couple of biscuits and some fish. He can do the same with your helping hand.